The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show. And you know what? You guys, you are awesome. I have the best listeners, you know that. When I started this show five years ago, I would never have believed how it would take off and what a large listening audience we would have. And that's because I know you are all dedicated to the quality of life for people with disabilities, and I just want to thank you. As a matter of fact, that's what caused me to have our guest on the show today because we have, get ready for this, the president of Robert Morris University as our guest today on the show, and Robert Morris University is known across the country as a premier university, well-known in the business area, and we have with us today President Greg DeLamo, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Joyce. It's great to be on with you. Well, it is an honor to have you, and I'm going to talk about this later on, but here's a heads up to everyone. Here's a man, here's a leader that really cares about people and students with disabilities. And I'm going to give you an example later on. But first, before we get going, I thought we could start, Dr. Delamo, if you could tell our listeners just a little bit about Robert Morris. The size, is it mainly a business school? You know, are there a lot of graduate courses there? What could you tell us about this? Sure. Well, years ago, as you, as you may know, we started back in 1921, we started off as a business school only. And that carried us through pretty much until about the 50s and 60s. But since then, and really starting in the 1970s, uh, we became much more of a comprehensive university. So in 2002, we actually became a university, from, moved from a college to a university. And uh, now today we have um, six schools to study, including our business school, which is uh, a nationally known business school. But we have other schools as well, which cover programs that range anywhere from nursing, engineering, education, information systems, psychology, biology, journalism, media arts. Um, so we have actually over, over 60 undergraduate programs uh, in the university that uh, addresses about 5,000 students at the university. We have um, uh, probably about 4,000 undergraduates and about 1,000 graduate students. Uh, we have two campuses. Our main campus is at Moon Township, which is about a 230-acre campus, uh, residential campus with all sports facilities and the whole student life and residence halls. Uh, we also have our downtown building, which was where we started years ago, which basically addresses our adult and graduate programs down, down in the city. Uh, we also have graduate programs now. We have about 20 graduate degree programs, three doctoral programs in the area of education, nursing, and commu- uh, communications and information systems. Uh, and the graduate programs, again, MBAs and human resources and nursing and so forth. So it really has become, uh, moved from a, really a small business school only to, like I said, a, a fully comprehensive uh, university uh, that has a residential campus of, uh, that has students coming from all over the country. Uh, we actually have students coming from 37 different states and uh, 37 different countries. So it really has become more than just sort of a, a local Pittsburgh school to become a, a national and in some cases international institution. Wow. Yeah. Come a long way. It's not your father's Robert Morris anymore. No, it isn't. <laughs> well, I, let me tell you, um, our first listener is Nancy from Philadelphia, uh-huh. and her question is, 
would you be able to tell me, um, at certain colleges and universities, I call it a code or a leveling that that they have that they look for in the culture at the university. In other words, some people go to a university that's more liberal, some more conservative, mm-hmm. some that's just your academic background. How how would you describe Robert Morris University? Well, it's, first of all, a, a university in, in, in just in the name of a university and the presence of a university, I think, needs to instill the idea of a multitude of views and opinions and ideas. Uh, that's what a university is all about, where you can come and learn about different ideas, debate, and, and, and really have uh, uh, intellectual discussions regarding uh, all sides of every issue you can imagine. And that's something we try to promote here at Robert Marsh University, is that diversity of, of, of views and ideas and opinions and research and so forth. So with that, it's um, you know we're proud of that. That that that's really goes as I said goes to the heart of what any university really should be in our in our society. And as far as Robert Marsh University, one of the things that's unique about us, and I think, is uh, we've always had a, a real professional focus in terms of our programs. Again, going back to our our our, our creation as a business school only, but even the programs we've developed over the years in those six schools I described before, uh, they've all been professionally oriented: nursing, engineering education, so forth. Um, so there really has been that, that kind of applied uh, focus to our degree programs that really prepare our students for their careers. And so uh, that's the way our students approach it, and that's the way our faculty approach it, uh, and it's worked out very well. So even with the diversity of views and ideas and research, uh, there really is sort of an applied nature to our, to our approach to education here based on the kind of programs we've developed. So it's open-minded, encouraging oh. thought across the board, I guess Absolutely. you would say. It has to be. That, that to me, is a, is a sign of, 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 a, of a dynamic university. Tell us about the graduate program. What can you tell us about the graduate program? Well, the graduate program has been the area that's probably grown the most for us in, in recent past. And I said, um, uh, in the last four years, we actually had three doctoral programs, which have just exploded in terms of uh, the enrollment and demand. Um, obviously, the MBA program at the master's level has always been a very popular program for us, as well as a master's in HR and, and, and some of our other programs. But the doctoral programs, um, the nursing, we have, we have the first uh, state-approved doctoral program in nurse practice. Um, and that program every year brings in about 25 doctoral students. We have applicants from every, every state in the country. Uh, we usually get about 500 applicants for that program. It's a, it's a, there's these clinical doctoral programs that allow for uh, working professionals in an executive format to continue working, but at the same time going for their, their doctoral education. And we've done that both for the nursing program as well as for our um, communications and information systems program. So we, we've, we've kind of mixed and, and matched a little bit the, the, the format of our programs that allow for high-quality education for working professionals. Wow. Yep. And a lot of people may not know that. I mean, when I first moved here to Pittsburgh, Oh, how far this school has come. And if you're listening to the phone, I mean, if you're listening to the show today as we're talking and you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, what's Moon? What's that? That's Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because this happens to me all the time. I'll I'll show some of my driver's license and they'll say to me, Moon? What's Moon? (laughs) I know, and I'm I'm new to the area. I came here in 05 from from Philadelphia, and... um, when I was first uh, even uh, discussing the possibility of coming out here, all I really knew about Robert Marsh University at the time, other than its basketball program and its business school, which had you know reputations uh, that went well beyond the Pittsburgh area, um, all I knew of Robert Marsh was really a building downtown. That, like I said, we we serve our adult graduate students down there. I didn't know we had this beautiful, pristine pastoral 230-acre campus out in Moon Township. I didn't even know where Moon Township was. 
Uh, and then when I came out and visited, I was I was really shocked, pleasantly surprised as to the kind of campus this is. It's really, uh, and it's, it's a safe campus, it's an attractive campus. It's close enough to downtown Pittsburgh, so students who come here have the advantage of both being in a suburban, peaceful, sort of pastoral environment, uh, but yet being close to a major city that has all the amenities that you would look want in terms of sports, restaurants, entertainment. Um, it's really an ideal situation for us, and we really enjoy the, the location we're at. Oh, it is beautiful, and a beautiful football field, too. Yep. Well, that's the other thing most people don't realize is we have a, we are a Division One sports university, so we have 23 Division One sports here. Uh, that's more than the University of, of Pittsburgh, Duquesne University, West Virginia. Uh, sports play a very important role of our of our student body, and uh, again, our athletes come from all over the country. That is awesome. That really is. And, and just as you said, a lot of people I don't think know this about Robert Morris. Well, here is a question from Tony in Kansas City, and his question is. Would you mind telling us when you moved to Pittsburgh, I used to live in Pittsburgh, I've moved since then, but believe me, I'm still black and gold. But, you know, I knew you would. I knew you are. Anyone from Pittsburgh is black and gold. Right. Yeah. My question is, what is, in your opinion, what was your biggest surprise when you moved to Pittsburgh? Um, I think was, again, I grew up in, uh, even though I came from Philadelphia recently, and I, I my home originally was from New Jersey, and I was always sort of affiliated with New York based on where you live in New Jersey. So I, I had New York, I had Philadelphia as my, as my background. When I came to Pittsburgh, I think the thing that surprised me the most, and people told me this before I got here, but I didn't quite believe it, um, a great city uh, that's relatively small, uh, that makes it easy to get around, but it has everything you would want from a, a major, major metropolitan area, like I said before, in terms of, like I said, restaurants, sports, entertainment, the culture here. Again, I've, I've been in New York. I used to work in New York City before I went back for my Ph.D. and got into academia, and I'm, I'm shocked by the level of culture you find in Pittsburgh. It's a great city, and, and it's easy to live in, and it's a very pleasant place to live in. Uh, it's a very comfortable city, but well, you have everything you want from a major city, and that's, that's exciting. Yes, and you know what people always tell me? How surprised they are, how friendly people are. Oh, no question. Just the drivers alone. <laughs> you know, again, coming from the East Coast, really, the New York City area, uh, and then coming here, probably one of the biggest adjustments I had was uh, people letting you go before them in, in your car. Uh, you know, I'm always used to a much more aggressive uh, driving style. Uh, here you have to get used to uh, people giving you the right away. Well, I'll tell you what. An executive here in Pittsburgh moved here from the Philadelphia area, and he said, here was my first big surprise. I get on the elevator, and this woman looks at me and says, how are you doing today? Oh, yeah. He said, and at first I thought, okay, <laughs> something's wrong with her. <laughs> she needs help. What's her problem? And then the next guy gets on, having a good day? And he said, I was so, he was so taken back because he was not accustomed to how friendly Absolutely. But I always tell people, Pittsburgh's the only place you'll go where you could see me walk into a grocery store or a deli, wherever it is, and you could see me having some big conversation with the person at checkout and then think, oh, they must know each other, and, of course, I've never met them before. Right, exactly. Although there is, there's only two degrees of separation in Pittsburgh because everybody somehow is connected one way or another with, with each other, and uh, it's very interesting. Yes, it is. And let me remind everyone listening to the show, we are also the home of the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> Super Bowl champion. That's right. 
and you know I'm going to take every chance I get to remind you of that. We are so proud. See, this is another thing I tell you. I'll bet it's like this at Robert Morris, too. If you want to get into the school, you have to know about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, you're not going to make it. That's right. Well, actually, on our Board of Trustees at the University, uh, we have Mrs. Rooney. Uh, Pat Rooney is one of the members of the Board of Trustees, and she's been involved with us for Oh, probably over 25 years, and she's oh, actually 20 Oh, I love years. Mrs. Rennie. Yeah, she's... I a, love this. She was a Carlo right. College woman of spirit with me. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so make sure you tell her that I said hi. I will. Yes. All right, and with that, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be right back. If you just joined us, we're talking to Dr. Delamo, the president of Robert Morris University, right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom, Dad, how long should I wait for you? Mom, if I'm at soccer practice, what if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Spender. And welcome back to the show. Hey, if you just joined us, we are speaking to Gregory Delamo, Dr. Delamo, the president of Robert Morris University. And, and if you just joined us, we were talking about the Roonies. Now, the Roonies, as you know, if you watch any TV and you saw the Super Bowl, own the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know what? That is part of what makes this city so great. It isn't just the Steelers. It's this family, the Rooney family. And uh, Mrs. Rooney is on the board or is a trustee of Robert Morris University, and I was just telling Dr. DeLamo that she was a Carlo College woman of spirit, although they're now Carlo University, but that's what they called it at that time, a woman of spirit award with me. And what impressed me about her so much is how down-to-earth, nice, no airs, just a really nice person. Um, and I just want to send out a special congratulations to her and the Rooney family because so you know this, we're proud to have you in Pittsburgh. 
And am I right about her, Greg? Absolutely. I mean, just a class act down to earth, like you said, and just have good, good heads on their shoulders. And obviously they run a great football organization, but they really are like the first family of Pittsburgh. And, uh, uh, and no airs about them at all. Just a very, very down-to-earth family that have done a great thing for this institution and the city. Yeah, well, I was proud to be a woman of spirit with her. So, as I said, congratulations to a great family. Now, Dr. DeLama, earlier you were talking about how we, you have at Robert Morris people from out of state and out of the country. That's right. And how many, again, out of state? We have, uh, well, we have a 37 different states being represented by our student body. And about, that represents about 20% of our student body. Well, here's a question for you from Elisa in Lexington, Kentucky. And the question is, uh, my question is about Robert Morris University. Would you say that the largest percentage of students that you have major in business? Actually not. That used to be the case. It used to be even up till probably about five or six years ago, uh, probably about 70, 75% of our students majored in business. Business Today, it's, a, it's a, actually 45% of our, of our undergraduate students major in business, uh, and that the rest have been across the different schools and programs that we've developed uh, in the recent past. So business wow. still is a, is a, it's a single largest program, but the majority of our students do not study business anymore. You know what? That is astonishing. Yep. Because that is the image I bet that a lot of people still have. That's very interesting. Yep. I'm glad we got that email because that's very interesting. That's that was a good not question. What, not what I would have thought. That's amazing. Yep. Um, I'd like to say we, you know, we, we, we used to have you know, a, a, a great business school at Robert Morris University. Now we have a, a great university that includes a great business school. And I want to also mention to you, Dr. DeLama, that um, – I know you do you do work with Bear Corporation. That's right. A partnership with Bear, and the CEO of Bear, Greg Babe, is an absolutely fantastic human being. He is on the business advisory board of Bender Consulting Services, and as all my listeners know, my life is dedicated to one thing and one thing only, and that is the employment of people with. Disabilities, and I just want to mention that he has been a supporter of mine forever. But I know, don't, can you talk a little bit about that partnership you have with them? Sure, we've had a, a long relationship with Bear Corporation, um, and actually, we've always had a, a member of the senior management team there on our board of trustees, as we do now. Uh, Willie Scherf uh, is their CFO. Oh yes, I board. know. Well, yes, he's on our board of trustees, and Gerd Mueller, who was the former CFO who's retired now from Bear is still on our board of trustees. So it, there's, a, there's a long-term relationship between the corporation as well as the individuals in the corporation and our university. But they've been very supportive of, of, of a number of things at the university. One, our Bear Center for Nonprofit Management, uh, which is something that really is achieving national reputation as being one of the leading uh, research, consulting, training um, uh, organizations for helping to develop management and leadership skills in nonprofits, both in Pittsburgh and nationwide. And the Bear uh, Corporation has been very, very instrumental in the creation of that and the funding of it. That's why we call it the Bear Center for Nonprofit Management. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, they've also been very supportive of, of, of our, pro, our students, uh, hiring our students. Uh, they're very supportive of our business school. They've endowed a scholarship for our business school. They do a lot of things at, at multiple levels. 
uh, with Robert Marsh University. And I'm proud to say we have a number of our graduates who work for the corporation over the years. That is awesome. And I, and I will also say that, you know what, um, that work you do helping nonprofits mm-hmm. over the years has been phenomenal. It really has been. Yes, and I have met many people as a result of that, and I just think that is I think that is awesome that you're able to work with nonprofits. Just this morning I was at a nonprofit, and at the board meeting they were showing me the statistics from this Forbes Fund report, and they were so surprised, not as surprised as I was, to find out that 13% of the population of Pittsburgh work for a nonprofit. Oh, I, I believe it. I mean, Pittsburgh is, is well... It's, it's a city that's always had a very strong nonprofit presence, a very strong foundation presence, um, and it just keeps on getting stronger and stronger over the years. And in today's economy, it becomes even more important and more challenging uh, to be able to run these, these uh, nonprofits in, in a way that makes them sustainable over a period of time because they're all doing great work, um, but it's just making sure you have the, the resources and the talent to continue those, those missions. Well, if someone is listening to this show right now that is interested in Robert Morris University, how do they obtain information, Dr. Delano? Well, the best way is, is obviously going to our website, uh, www.rmu.edu. Uh, that's the most direct way. But in today's age of, of young technology with young people, we've also you, you find us on Facebook, on, on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, but we, we utilize every method of, of technology today uh, that's out there, but our, the main source is going to our website. And you know what? Isn't that amazing? The social networking. Oh, it's, it's happened. We, we, learn ju- more, we, have, we get more good information from our, the people who work in our admissions office who are 22 years old because they, they know exactly what's going on uh, with regards to communications today for the younger generation. Yeah. Yes, and I know that from the work I do with the local and national Epilepsy Foundation, mm-hmm. that if you are not tuned in to MySpace, to Facebook, to YouTube, yep. all these things you've just mentioned, that, you know, you cannot today reach young people. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm wondering, has that had, in your opinion, an impact on how teachers educate at all? It does to some, yeah, it really does, because the way, way young people process information today, you know, the whole millennials, is this, this, this new generation of younger people, uh, they just grew up in a different era with, with the way technology was used and the way information was just sort of done in a, in, in a way that they really multitask uh, uh, at a level that most people in older generations have a hard time dealing with. So, yeah, our faculty have had to adjust, particularly our, our more senior faculty, on how to uh, – convey information, how to really ask our students to learn information um, as opposed to sitting down reading a book, maybe using technology in a way that's uh, more conducive to their, their generation. So it is, an, it is an interesting process. But when it's all said and done, it's still taking information, comprehending it, analyzing it, synthesizing, and trying to make decisions based on, on your comprehension of that information. That is, and you know what? There's so much, so much information. Yep, so much going on out there. Um, I wanted to ask you this question from Ted in Guess Where, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, okay. and it is Dr. Delamo. What impact will the state funding cutbacks, freezes, whatever it is that's going to happen, and the cutbacks with foundations have on Robert Morris University? Sure. Um, well, from the state side. 
uh, you know, as a, we're a private university, so we get very little, if any, funding from the state of Pennsylvania. So from that standpoint, it doesn't impact on us that much. Obviously, it impacts on, this, on the state system as well as the state-related universities. Um, now, we do get some funding, whether it be research-based funding and special program types of funding, but uh, it's a challenge for everybody from that standpoint. Um, just the general economy as a whole and, uh, really begins to impact on all academic institutions in terms of students' abilities to pay. Um, one of the things we're, we're, we're proud of here at the university is that we provide a, a really a high-quality private school experience. And as you know, private university tuitions are very, very high throughout the country. We're very fortunate in the way we manage our, our, our university that we're able to keep our tuition relatively low. We actually have the second lowest private school master's level university tuition in the state of Pennsylvania. Wait, wait, so, wait. Could you repeat that one more time? We have the, the, the second lowest private school university tuition in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, so that, so we are, we are still relatively competitive for a student who wants to come to a, a smaller private school uh, university experience that gives a lot of personalized attention with, with great academic programs, the sports, the, the whole campus experience. Um, and so we, we really work very hard to keep that uh, accessible to as many students with different economic backgrounds. And a lot of our students um, do come from uh, pretty challenging economic uh, situations, and we're able to, to give them, like I said, a high-quality private school education. Now, with our tuition plus our, our our scholarships we, we provide students, uh, it does become um, a competitive situation for our students. <clears throat> Foundations, though, I mean, when, when the whole market, uh, as, as it continues to decline, and today is no, no exception, uh, obviously foundations are, are hit very, very hard. And um, uh, so we go out looking at our fundraising for, for our programs and our scholarships. It is impacted quite a bit because foundations and other institutions and organizations uh, who don't have as much disposable income anymore or invested income uh, where they can't give as much to the university in terms of our fundraising, it does impact on us quite significantly like everybody else. So we're hoping to get through this, this economic downturn and hoping, you know, another year or so the, as the economy comes back, uh, we'll be in a stronger position to help seek extra funds for the university beyond just our tuition that we charge and try to get more fundraising for the university. Well, if anyone would want to make a contribution to Robert Morris, how do they do that? They can go right on our website uh, and contact us. There's actually a little link on our website that talks about giving to the university, and they can click that on, and then it takes them through how they can um, make a donation to, to the university. And don't forget, if you're listening to this show, we all do estate planning. That's right. So, you know, um, if, if a big thing with you is education, uh, then you need to think about that so you have that planned ahead of time because, you know, it, this is what really is the key to freedom for all of our young people, having a good education. And I am proud that we have Robert Morris University right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're going to be back in a couple moments with Gregory Delamo, Dr. Delamo, president of Robert Morris University, headquartered in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. News. 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 
opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn. So follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at BornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us... We are talking to Gregory DeLamo, Dr. DeLamo, the president of Robert Morris University, and I think we have a caller on the line. Paul, are you on the line? Yes. Okay, go ahead, Paul. I just wanted to uh, say kudos to Dr. DeLamo and uh, uh, as an employee of Robert Morris University and to you, Joyce, for uh, the work that you do in the world of disabilities. Hello, Paul. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, very good. Well, Paul, you're one of the reasons that it's easy to do that work with Robert Morris University, and I mean it. It's amazing to me how from the day I met you, you have never, ever stopped being in touch with me about this disability initiative, mm -hmm. and that really, you know, so many people, when they meet me, they'll say to me, hey, either they'll say they're going to hire someone or we're going we're gonna to try and think of something, and then, you know, I don't hear from them again. Right. But I still hear from you. I'm really <laughs> impressed about that. I am. Thank you. You left a, uh, a pretty big mark on the campus when you came up and, uh, and spoke for the diversity speaker series that we have here. Well, it was my pleasure, and I plan on coming back again. Cool. Thank you. Hey, Paul, thank you for calling in. You're welcome. Take care. All right, Paul. See you, Dr. Alamo. Now, there's a good example that I can tell all my listeners this story. Okay. I have spoken in front of thousands of people. As you all know, I have epilepsy, and this May I will take over as the chairman of the board of the National Epilepsy Foundation. But in addition to that, I am also 
the founder of Bender Consulting Services, where we employ people with disabilities in the United States and in Canada. So I'm a woman living with epilepsy, and I'm really, really excited about this. So I speak everywhere, and as I said, sometimes hundreds, sometimes a thousand, but um, I also speak to smaller groups. And one time I went to a little diversity group meeting at Robert Morris University, and I'll never forget this because I see this person walking, and I had no idea who it was. And you know who it was? It was Dr. DeLamo, the president, came to hear me speak about disability and diversity to a smaller group. And I thought, now this is a leader right here. here here's a guy, no airs, you know, about him that really shows leadership. So to all of you listening with disabilities, when you're thinking about where to go to college or a university, hear what I just told you. Dr. DeLamo came to hear me speak in a small group because of his commitment to disability. That says it all right there. And I will never forget that. I will never forget that, Doctor. That really impressed me. You know, as, as I told you back then, I think it's, it's diversity and, 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 and making this university accessible and, and welcoming to those with disabilities is, is a very important part of my personal mission as well as the mission of the university. And we, we try to do as much as we possibly can to, to make this kind of environment uh, very open and, and welcoming to all people. Um, and Paul, who's just online, Paul, Paul Spradley, who is a, a very young man who we hired into a new position uh, probably about a year and a half ago into a Office of Multicultural Affairs on campus, which handles the diversity and, and disabilities, um, has just done a phenomenal job. And I know this is sort of um, self-serving from a university standpoint, but he really has been a champion of, of, of all students and, and the initiatives we have here. Uh, he's very creative. He's very outgoing. He, he doesn't give up. Uh, he, he's just a wonderful asset for our university that allows us to kind of make things happen. Uh, it's always one thing to have things as part of your mission and, and say we'd like to do these, but you really have to really put the, 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 the metal to the floor, so to speak, to make this happen. And Paul is one of these individuals. So we're very, very pleased by what we're doing here at the university at all levels. I also want to say on a personal note, um, Joyce, I think, you know, uh, serving uh, as, as chair of the uh, National Epilepsy uh, Foundation or, or, or organization, uh, that also is something that's uh, very near and dear to my heart since my, my brother, my younger brother, had epilepsy uh, who passed away in 1991. And uh, so growing up as, as my sibling and growing up with my brother through those years uh, and experiencing what epilepsy is and how it impacts on, on, on a family and, and on an individual um, it's it's very special with the work you're doing, and uh, it's probably one of the reasons why I think this is such an important thing for a university to reach out to as many people as possible. Well, Dr. DeLama, let me tell you what, we'll be talking about you at that National Epilepsy Foundation because we need all the help we can get, and I know you'll be excited to know that uh, our champion who will be at our national walk in Washington, D.C., this is the third annual walk, is Greg Grumberg from the TV show Heroes, and um, his son Jake has epilepsy. And this man is working with, you know, all the TV stations, people in Hollywood, everywhere, working to help get more exposure because, unfortunately, and I'm sure you know this, many people with epilepsy do not want to disclose that they have epilepsy. Sure. 
So I will make a commitment to you that once we get going here, I'll be figuring out how we can work with you at Robert Morris on this stigma because that is really what it is. I mean, it is a stigma, and sadly, I have young high school students across the United States who are living with epilepsy who are bullied and made fun of every day of their life, and then they go home and they're made fun of again on MySpace and all those social sure. networks you talked about before. And sadly, some of them have committed suicide because of that. Mm. So, you know, we really do have to do something about this. And with a champion like you and a great university like Robert Morris, combined with the foundation, I'm sure that we can. I, I would love to be involved in any way I can to help you out. I think it's a, it's a great um, challenge and it's a great opportunity to help a lot of people. Now, when you were growing up, how about your brother? Was he made fun of? How, how did? How was it with him? Yeah, you know, it, uh, it was something he was he was sort of uh, ashamed of to some extent. Although we, in, in our family, I think my parents did a wonderful job, and uh, uh, myself and my sister were were, were well versed in, in what was happening, and we so we made him feel very very comfortable within the family, and I think that got, kind of gave him the confidence. Uh, to be able to go out and be a little bit more open about it. Although I know at times he was, you know, as all young people and teenagers go through that awkward period of their lives in just normal times, but when they have something like epilepsy, uh, it does feel like um, there's an extra burden on them and try to hide what they're going through. Uh, he was just very fortunate that he was um, a very outgoing individual, uh, a very um, uh, happy-go-lucky type of individual that he made friends very easily. So I think that helped him out, but I also think that at times that was probably sort of a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. to hide what, what he was actually going through. Yes. Well, Dr. DeLama, I speak across the country to high school students with disabilities, including epilepsy, and it is horrifying to hear what they go through and mm-hmm. how they are bullied and how they are made fun of and how they're called seizure freaks, seizure dogs, spit on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just horrible. And I know we have a huge listening audience, especially... On, in the evening when people archive this show of young people with disabilities. And I wanted to ask you, for those young people listening to the show who are bullied every day of their life, what advice do you have for them? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really unfortunate situation because no one should be uh, put in that position. And um, unfortunately it happens, and it happens, as you know, way too often. I think it's, you know, it's, it's the, probably the best thing, and there really is no pat answer. There's, there's no solution, unfortunately. But I think that the important thing is for those who are in that position is, is to try to seek out those who you can trust and, and, and get advice and not be afraid to speak out and speak up about what's happening. Tell somebody what's happening to you if you're being bullied at school or, or by those outside of school who are really making your life very difficult. Seek out advice, whether it be a, a teacher, a parent, a, a friend, uh, uh, someone who you feel you can trust to, to say, you know, here's what's happening to me. All too often, as you know, I think people keep this within themselves, and either they think they can handle it themselves, or again, they're, they're ashamed of being bullied, so they only want to talk, talk about that to anyone. People realize, good people realize that this is something that should not happen. Uh, no one should be put in this position. So, I would just try to encourage those who are going through it to seek out someone or, or a group of people who you really can talk to about this and speak up about it. Not, not want to tolerate it. A lot of times you don't want to confront it face head on because it may put you in an awkward situation. But you know, getting the support of others is very, very important. And um, boy, I can't stress that enough. And it's, not, it's easier said than done. Uh, I know that. 
but boy, if you can just identify somebody who's who's there for you and be honest with them and tell them exactly how you feel because, as you said, too many people, it may lead to suicide or other kinds of a, a depression that it can become debilitating beyond what the actual diseases or disability person may have. And you know what I say, I agree with you. I agree with you. Speak up. Yep. Don't try to hold that in. And listen, if you say to me, I can't tell my mother or father, I say, okay, find a teacher. And if you can't tell a teacher, tell a guidance counselor, tell your gym teacher, tell someone. And if that doesn't work, you do have churches, synagogues, mosques. You tell someone because there isn't anyone. Listen to me. There isn't anyone that's worth you taking your own life ever. Ever, ever, ever. And that's why I think there's a responsibility on the part of schools. Let's use schools as an example since most, obviously that's the place where young people are. Schools need to make themselves uh, open to this kind of thing, and they need to communicate, number one, the bully won't be tolerated, but number two, if it does occur, here's where you can go. Here's a sort of safe haven for you to come and talk to somebody. There has to be proactive behavior on the part of organizations and institutions um, to really let people know that this is – what we stand for, and we're not going to tolerate this, and we're here for you. Yes, and there's always one of us here for you. And by the way, you know when you think it's the cool people that are making fun of you? Mm-hmm. They're not the cool people. Absolutely. You're the cool person. Yep. They're not. I always tell people, Dr. DeLamo, if only I could put in a little medicine bottle if when you're in high school, what it's going to be like when you're older, and you look back on all this, of course, I would be a billionaire if I could do that because it's not the way you think. You know, when you're in high school, how you think, oh, I want, look, these are the ones. They're going to make it. This right. is the click. It's not The things you worry about, when you get older and you look <laughs> back, you're going to remember. So I'm telling you now, education is your key. That's right. Absolutely. Education is your key to success. And that's why we have this great president of a university, Dr. DeLamo, on the show today. He is the president of Robert Morris University, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters. We'll be right back with you to close the show. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. 
The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. If you just joined us, we have been talking today to Dr. Gregory DeLamo, the president of Robert Morris University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it has been a treat to have him with us. Listen, if you are a student with a disability, you need to think about this university. You need to go on that website, check them out, and if you have any questions, you get in touch with the school or with me or Voice America, and we will get back to you. Um, but, but here's a leader that cares about people with disabilities. And I have to ask you, uh, Dr. DeLama, who, who was it that inspired you to achieve these successful goals you have in your life? Oh, wow. Um, I think it's, it's relatively simple. One, um, my parents, uh, I grew up in a, you know, in a very warm, loving Italian family that was uh, uh, very emotional and laughed and yelled at each other. It was just that kind of a uh, kind of situation that you say, boy, that was, a, that was a good environment for somebody to grow up and learn how to express yourself and uh, without fear of reprisal or, or knowing there's always unconditional love. So that was really kind of the, laid the foundation. But then there's always, as I tell our students here, there's, there's always going to be one or two teachers throughout your academic career that are really going to make an impact on your life. And uh, I was no exception. I mean, in terms of a couple of professors I had in college that really turned me on to, to uh, education, higher education, which really kind of led me into the profession I'm in right now. And the last person I have to say is my wife. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't start out in the career of academia. I was going to go to the corporate world, and I was in the corporate world, but I always had a dream of going back for my, my Ph.D. and getting into academia and teaching and doing research and hopefully getting maybe into administration. And it was really my wife who uh, encouraged me to do that, knowing that we had to give up a lot, we had to sacrifice a lot uh, and change paths early on in our, in our marriage. Uh, so those were probably the people that had the most impact on me, parents, teachers, and my wife. Wow, but that is awesome. You know, this is why I always tell teachers, but anyone really, you know, you have no idea the impact you can have on a child. Mm -hmm. uh, Marlo Thomas spoke one time here in Pittsburgh, and she her speech was, always remember a little girl's watching. That's right. And this is when she spoke at Carlo to, to, young, to women. And, of course, it's always a little girl or a little boy watching. Yep. And, you know, when you just, all you have to do is go back in time and think about how powerful you viewed every teacher. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that's how I was. And the impact they can have on you, good or bad. And um, I think that is just so important to all of us. Absolutely. But, but of Absolutely. course, that applies to universities also. Yep. No question about it. And that's, and that's what we try to do here. I mean, we try to make those connections to individual students. And um, so they do have that relationship. And... Uh, it just makes the, the whole experience that much more powerful. And it goes beyond just 
your four years here at college. You'll, you'll have lifelong relationships with some of your key faculty members here that you always come back to and talk to them about your careers, your family, you know, the key decisions that you want to make in your life beyond just your four years of, high, of college education. See, it's you're lucky for all you listeners that I did not know this, think about this earlier. If I had not thought about this earlier with Dr. DeLama, we would have been talking about food the whole time we're on here <laughs> because you don't know this, but see, my maiden name Saletti. So I also am Italian, and one thing you always have in common is food. That's right. You Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so a friend of mine told me once, and he now writes for USA Today, and he said, you know, want to know what the kiss of death is? To tell my grandmother, I don't want any more raviolis. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, growing up, you know, this is, every Sunday we went to my grandmother's house for the Sunday afternoon dinner, and yeah, you, know, you had the raviolis and everything else, and uh, you, you, and all the relatives were there, and you, 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 as a child, you see how adults interact, and you, you, you're right in that world with them, and uh, so you're, you're, you're given the opportunity, like I said, to express yourself at a young age, and. I think that's wonderful for young people to have that opportunity. I do, too. I really do. Well, Dr. Delamo, everyone that has ever been on my show, everyone, for the past five years, I ask these next two questions. So let me ask you the first one, and that is sometimes very hard to answer. Obviously, you have achieved so much. Look, you're at a premier university as the uh, pre- president and head of the school, but you have accomplished many things. As you mentioned, you moved here from New York and Philadelphia. What would you consider your greatest accomplishment? Oh, well, uh, well there's, uh, I think there's probably two. Um, one's personal, one's professional. Personal, obviously, is just my family. I have three beautiful children who are all doing their things, and they're, I have a daughter who's engaged to be married, another son who's getting ready to graduate from college, and then we're just starting college. And I have three great kids that my wife and I um, brought into this world and ho- hopefully nurtured in a, in, a, in a healthy way. So my family is probably one of my most uh, proudest accomplishments on a personal level. Professionally, um, being a university president clearly is, but it's more than that. What, what, it, what, being a university president allows me to do the most important thing, and that is help young people achieve their goals in life. Um, and, and we do that every day in terms, like I said, what we try to accomplish here. Uh, running a university, you can always get, you get bogged down in budgets and finances and all the, the business side of the university, which is important. But when it's all said and done, how are we changing people's lives? And um, that's a lot of fun. And that's when, it, when you see a, a young person, whether it be an 18-year-old or even a 25-year-old who, who all of a sudden clicks for them because of their experience at the university, you know you've accomplished a great deal, and that's the most rewarding thing. Now, your three children, are they all here, or are they throughout the United States? Actually, my, my daughter, who's the oldest, is 27. She's actually a, she just moved from San Francisco uh, to Washington, D.C., with her, with her fiancé, so that's where they're, they're engaged to be married in Washington. And my middle child is a senior at University of Pittsburgh, and oh, my youngest child you is a freshman at Syracuse University. So none of my kids ever want to go to school where I am. They don't want to be where Dad is. That's just not cool. Uh, but they've all had uh, great educations, and they're all uh, living their lives to the fullest. Well, I have just uh, one last question here for you, and that is, as a student with a disability, why would you suggest they attend Robert Morris? <sighs> well, 
we care. I mean, it's, it's part of, our, like I said before, it's part of our, our mission in terms of making this university as open and, and accessible and accommodating and, and warm to as many people with as varied backgrounds as possible, whether it be just from a diversity standpoint, whether it be from a disability standpoint. So we go out of our way to, to help uh, all people be successful here. So if you do have a disability, whether it be a learning disability or a physical disability, uh, we work very closely with you and your family to make you successful. And that's, our, like I said, that's our mission is to make people, our students successful. Uh, we call it Foundations for Success. And so if, 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 if you have that dream to, to further your, your education and your, your professional life, uh, if you come here, we will make it happen with you. Um, and that's just the way we, we, we operate. And, and it's second nature to us. I mean, I, and, I'm, and, and it's not just me. Believe me, I have a whole team of people in our student life area and our academic affairs area that, that believe in all this as well. And so um, um, I'm very proud of what we accomplished with them. So uh, we are very, very accommodating. And is that, do you have a message you want to leave with us to close the show? I guess uh, the message is for young people, um, pursue your dreams. Regardless of, of what challenges you may have, uh, there's a lot of people out there willing to help you. And, and like I said, that's our, our mission here at the university. Uh, pursue them. And don't be afraid. You only go around once in this life. And I always say for everybody, you know, give it your best shot. My personal philosophy has always been I never want to be in a position where I'm 60, 70 years old and I say the words I should have. Uh, I always wanted to say, you know, I'm going to try something. And, and, and if it works, great. If it doesn't work, I know I can rebound and I can move in a different direction. And particularly if you have a lot of people around you who are willing to support you and help you, uh, you can accomplish anything. Oh, truer words never spoken. And this is Dr. Gregory DeLamo, the president of Robert Morris University, located in Moon Township, known to you as Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, Joyce, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I hope your listeners enjoyed it as well. Oh, I know they did. And listen, I, I just want to say to all of you, especially since we were talking about bullying, I always end the show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, and it is from Tony Quello, the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act, when he said, when you get the chance to take the podium... Speak up. Speak up. And that is the way you should always be. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters, at voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader in Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.